0: You have the opportunity to act with courage and do things that you really be proud of. So, you know what? I know this is this is a false belief that's trying to pull me in the wrong direction. I know it doesn't feel comfortable, but I know what the actual effective action is. So I'm going to choose, I'm going to decide to employ courage. Welcome to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. How to build the emotional fortitude to win in life and in business. No fluff, just real-world results. I'm your host, Ida Marani, ex-Israeli Special Forces, former undercover agent, jitsu black belt and mindset. Welcome to today's episode, everybody. So today we're doing something a little bit different, something a little bit special. So I'm here with Andre Lugo. Andre reached out to me after listening to a couple of the podcasts with a certain email, and it was very interesting. So basically he said, this is what I think your system is. Am I getting this correctly? And it was a very interesting email, and instead of me wanting to break it down for him in the email, I thought this could be an amazing opportunity to bring someone on the pod, have him ask it from a listener's viewpoint. And also, he's an expert himself in a lot of behavioral change and theory of constraints, and I thought it would be very interesting on in the pod. So, Andre, first off, welcome, and can you please Thank introduce you. yourself to the good people out there?
1: Excellent. So, I'm Andre Lugo. I'm a management consultant uh, here in the United States, and I travel for work. I've been I've been a consultant for 18 years, and we do on-site process improvement, uh, behavioral change, uh, coach, teach, and train clients, how to improve their environment. And a lot of what we coach, teach, and train aligns with a lot of what you present in your program. So I thought it was interesting to reach out to you and share some of my perspective on what I saw from what you were saying.
0: Yeah. And it was very impressive how you shared it, just the flow, how you wrote everything so clear. And it was so Yeah, it was just so clear and precise. So again, I appreciate you doing this. And what I wanted to do is let's just dive in because you asked basically, am I getting this correctly? So I'd love for you to share basically this is – from your perspective, this is what I think step number one is, step number two and three, and we can kind of work it back from there. So the people at home who don't have your kind of background can break it down for themselves. This will give them a lot of info and a lot of very useful guide. So please go ahead.
1: Well, my honest belief is that people – connect with understanding step one, step two, step three, almost like a recipe, right? So yep. a lot of times, if you can break things down into a flow chart or mod a mod model and be able to see that. So clearly the first step of that was anchoring it to what do I really want to do? What, what do I want for myself? And what, one, would I be proud of? But number two, um, what's the way to get there? Uh, You know, exploring that, what would I be happy with if I achieved this, right, was one of the things that I heard you clearly say. And so the next step was, all right, so if I want X, what values represent X? And what am I prepared to do and not do to achieve that? I want to pause and jump in. So
0: to kind of break it down, even just clear for everybody listening out there. So what he's saying is step number one is getting clear on what you want and what will make you really happy in life. And beyond that, what I think perhaps we haven't clarified in the podcast enough, we also put in guardrails. So what I've noticed, especially with these hyper-ambition kind of individuals, I'm one of them. We all, all these kind of A-types are, is that if you just ask someone what they want, they might forget about other important things along the way. And it's really important to add these guardrails of what do you not want to regret as well? Because even if you build a giant business that you're super proud of, but you neglected your family life or whatever it may be, things that are important you're going to look back and regret. So it's getting clear on what you want, but also getting clear on what you don't want to regret. Then you have a more true north,
1: so to speak. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And and I think that uh, knowing what you won't do is very critical because it it helps you, like you said, put guardrails on. And then the second step is what values would those be? You know, what would my future self be proud of that I did today? So what are those values I want to achieve that, connect to number one and then defining actions in number three, third step is defining those actions that align with those values. So if my goal was to be persistent or to have courage, what three things can I do daily to demonstrate courage uh, in my job or in what I'm trying to achieve? And then the fourth step is, okay, so now that I am going to take these steps and as I start doing them, what kind of fears will i experience when it gets tough because i love the example you gave about the seesaw with the uh, you know motivation desire and the load on the other side and that is so true because once the pressure of the motivation goes away that load starts to build back up and then we don't understand what's causing the the roadblock and and exploring those fears and insecurities and self-limiting beliefs helps us to be able to identify that and i actually shared some of that with some people some clients at work and it it resonated with them i i gave a presentation uh, on a project that That's we're great. actually working on now with some of that and everyone in the rooms faces lit up like oh my gosh this is so true and then the last part of it is you know developing those mental models that help you to do that with the if then because statement that you talked about. So if if I resonate with uh Shaquille O'Neal, for example, in sports, you know, what would Shaquille O'Neal do in this situation if he were faced with this, right? Would he take that final shot at the end of the game? Mm. And although, like you said, I might experience the fear, but I but it's just an emotion and it's there and it's real, but I need to make sure that I can overcome that right? And then finally, the last final step is creating that kind of tracking sheet of those actions and grading yourself each week on how well you achieve those one to 10, and then being able to use it as a feedback loop to go back to number one, are these actions actually helping me to achieve what I want?
0: Yeah, that's great. So there's a couple, first off, it's, it's really impressive you're able to pick it up, and I'm very happy to hear it's already serving other people as well beyond what I'm doing. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear help your clients. So the things I would add there are as follows. So like you said, the first step is getting clear on what you want and making sure that you don't regret things as well. Number two is reverse engineering. What would somebody who's going to achieve this value in life? Not just what am I connected to, what are my top values, but what would somebody who does this, actually would live this, what would they value? And then how you said this very clearly, what are the three rules for each value that can actually make me do it? Live that value, so to speak. Now, what we do with the tracker is as soon as that happens, we start tracking those actions. That's the first thing. We start immediately putting those actions into the tracker. Now, we're going to say, okay, you're going to start experiencing, you're going to actually try doing these things. Now, you're going to hit some friction. Because like I said, that's when the seesaw comes in and that human factor arises. And all of a sudden, things pop up oh, I, I'm, I know this is the right thing I should be doing, but for some, uh, for some reason, I'm not doing it. I feel weird. It feels off. And that's when we start flushing out people's subconscious. And you use the term limiting beliefs, and I know it's a very popular one. It's one that I really try to avoid. And I'll say why. I think whenever we ask someone, what do you think your limiting beliefs are, we're denying ourselves the ability to, to find blind spots because we're asking, what do you already are aware of that is limiting you? And because of that, we might not actually know what's actually going on. Instead of that, what we just do in a general level is say, let's flush out your subconscious. Let's see some of your belief structures around this subject, period. Because we might find something very interesting. And what I've noticed is that when we just go from that kind of perspective, let's not ask what you know your limiting beliefs are, but let's just flush things out. Sometimes once something gets discovered, it all of a sudden loses its impact wow, I had this belief. This is how I view the world. That's ridiculous. And I can see that. I never was aware of it though. So that's that phase a bit more clear. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. It does. And I think trying to uncover that is probably incredibly impactful because a lot of times, like you said, I may not be aware that I have imposter syndrome, right? I might think that, uh, I'm confident, I go into meetings and I, you know, I'm presenting or I'm talking or I'm engaging. Uh, but again, I may not realize that what may be, that might be something that I need to explore because maybe I shut down when a certain element of that occurs and I don't realize that it's being driven by that imposter syndrome. Yeah. So the way
0: I I came up with the system was a lot through just trial and error. Like working with a lot of people and seeing what works. And the way I figured this part out was that I had one client. They they were sitting on a gold mine in their business. But for some reason, they were afraid to promote it. And I was like, okay, like why are you – you know the things you should be doing. We figured out the concrete actions. We verified this was believable parties that this is the right thing. So why aren't you doing it? And when we really dug in, they had this belief that they figured out, oh, if I make a lot of money, that means I'm greedy. Why? Because where they grew up, they looked at rich people as people that are bad or greedy or not kind. And they were not even aware that, that was playing in the back of their head. And that's when I recognized, and I, you said at the beginning that part of your background is behavioral change and theory of constraints. And I recognized, wow, these beliefs are sometimes people's actual constraints. This is the thing we mm-hmm. focus on. And it's usually the ones that they're not aware of that are really kicking them in the ass. Because the ones that they're aware of, they can kind of try to sidestep them. But if that's you're not aware of it, you're just getting blindsided by them. They completely take you off
1: track. No, uh, uh, again, uh, I, I, when I first uh, encountered your, your podcast and was listening, it, everything you said resonated with me because I see it clearly with the clients that I work with. And the unfortunate thing is sometimes when we help install and help make a change, it doesn't sustain itself. And, and that's the key thing, I think you provide in your model a way to sustain and and you'll own it forever as opposed to okay uh, i accomplished the goal yay for me and and then all of a sudden you no longer are motivated it's just like losing weight and so i think this gives it a way yeah. to perpetuate itself and part of the evaluation process is is it achieving number 1 and if it's helping me achieve number 1 then i then it's it's good if it's not then exploring some more because maybe there's something else that's causing an issue as well
0: yeah and it's interesting so we're gonna go forward and go backwards but it's interesting you are saying about number one what i've noticed a lot of times people it's kind of a cycle people get clear on what they want what they need to do in order to get there and then they flush out the main things that are holding them back internally from doing it and then all of a sudden they feel a lot more free so they're like you know what I actually want something much bigger. I just didn't recognize that before. But I feel much more free to actually look further ahead now. And their ambition rises, and all of a sudden they have to go through that loop again. It's kind of like a closed loop, but it's not. It's just like an upward spiral where you keep going up and up and up and up. But I kind of no, want to go back to what we were saying about – sorry, go ahead. No, no.
1: I, I was just going to say that that's true. And 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 helping people to identify that sometimes takes several several verses of that song <laughs> before you get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So one more thing I want to say that's really big about the beliefs is I try to not, again, avoid the. I try to avoid the term limiting beliefs positive beliefs and all that kind of jazz, because what I've noticed is the people that I usually deal with, they're very logic driven. They're not emotion driven. They're like, ah, I just want to employ my logic and sometimes my emotions get in the way. And if I have a very hard charging entrepreneur, And in the moment, they're getting very stressed out about something because they're like, oh, I believe that what I'm going to do is going to make me a greedy person. They're not going to stop and say to themselves, well, this is a negative belief. What's a more positive belief I can hold? That usually doesn't work for them. But what does work is if they can say, you know what? I know that thing I believe is not true. And because I'm a realist, if it's not true, I'm willing to do it even though it feels uncomfortable because I know it's not true. So, when we flush out their false beliefs, what we do afterwards, their beliefs period, we go through a process of falsifying them. Like, if you're going to make more money, does that actually mean you're going to be a greedy person who's a bad human being? Because once we take, we flush out their subconscious, we find their blind spot. And then instead of just saying, okay, this is a blind spot, let's call this a negative belief and let's adopt a positive belief, hurrah, that you can go with. Instead of that, we say, is this actually true or not? Mm-hmm. Because once they recognize, man, this isn't actually true, then they give themselves permission to let go of it, even though it feels very uncomfortable. And,
1: and that's a that's very insightful key step in it. Go ahead. No, no, that's very insightful because negating it, I think, is the is the key element, right? Because, like you said, ultimately you're gonna you're gonna change it, but you want to make sure that it doesn't have the possibility of resurrecting. And when you negate it. You've of taken it off the table, and I think that's a key, a key yeah. factor in getting to the to the ultimate goal, right?
0: Yeah. So I think as far as negating it, that's a pretty strong word, but I say you you have the ability to mitigate it. So I think in the from what I've seen in the moment, let's say you're in a bit of a high stress situation, one of your old beliefs is still going to pop up because you're stressed and you revert back to your defaults. It's kind of like when an athlete is very tired towards the end of the game and they just fall back on muscle memory. Call it mindset muscle memory. It's the same thing. But if you're aware that, oh, I'm about to fall into this pattern that I shouldn't because I know this isn't true and it actually doesn't serve me, and I also do know what actually is true, then you give yourself the opportunity of choice, the power of choice. When instead of just being a victim to your beliefs, you can say, you know what, I know this isn't true. And I know this would be convenient for me to react this way because this is how I used to believe things are. But I know it's not true, and I know what actually is true. So therefore, I get to choose to be courageous, do something that doesn't feel natural, but I know is the correct thing, and take that action. I think that's the really crucial part about it: is giving people that power of choice, and not just be victims to their old beliefs.
1: I think again, that's so right on because I think when you take those actions, and like you said in previous podcasts. You know, doing it because you know it's the right thing to do, even though it just feels uncomfortable, you're going to, um, and, and I loved, uh, early on, one of your very first podcasts that I listened to, you talked about when you were in the competitions and you'd win at a certain level because you understood you were that good. But then when you got to the second level, uh, you know, you're afraid to take the shot at the end of the game, so to speak. And, and it caused you some, some pain. And so overcoming that pain by making sure that you, yes, I get it, but I'm gonna keep moving on because this is the right thing for me to do and making a conscious choice, I think is uh, is critical in this process.
0: Yeah, so
1: I've actually kind of developed
0: a deeper understanding of what happened there. So I'll share it basically. So there's a concept, have you ever heard under the performance pressure bell curve? Yes. Yeah, so what I recognize is that because I was put, attaching so much meaning to the actions I was taking, it was moving me towards the wrong part of that performance pressure bell curve. I was putting too much pressure on myself and my performance really dipped because I had the belief that I wasn't aware of. It was a complete blind spot that unless I win this, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not validated. I'm still going to be that soft guy who quit back in the day. And for me, that's why I think understanding these blind spots is so important. Because if you would have asked Edemar of, when was it? 2012. What's going on in your head? I've been like, I don't know. I was trying to win. I wouldn't have been able to know if it had myself any of my self-limiting beliefs. But if I would have had somebody sit me down and be like, let's flush out what's going on in your head right now. Let's talk about it. How do you think about the situation? What are your concerns? What are your doubts? What it, whatever it may be. That might have come up. And if that had come up and someone would have pulled that out of me, then it wouldn't have held power over me anymore, and I could have performed at my best and achieved what I wanted to. Does that and, make and that's sense, why how think, it all
1: goes together. Absolutely, and and that's why I think a lot of times coaching is critical because it's an independent voice that yeah. sits down with you and says, "Okay, let's explore this." Because some people, like I said, you could walk through the model and go, "Okay, I get this. I, you know, I'm good. You know, here's my limiting belief. Yes, yes, I need to change it." But but then there may be a blind spot, like you said, that that needs to be explored. That. If you don't have someone as an independent voice that asks you the question, you might not get there. Uh, I think in one of the other podcasts, you talked about um, uh, a person who had, um, you know, tried to do certain things and then they weren't able to uh, articulate it and then they couldn't understand why they couldn't get there. And then, as you said, you, you explored it and then all of a sudden it clicked. And they saw that that was the issue driving their behavior.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating one. So to kind of recap where we were so far, first part is clarity. Then second part is the values. Third part is the selling rules for them. Fourth part is flushing out your subconscious, not asking what are my limiting beliefs, just figuring out what are your belief structures. Then after that, falsify them. And the way I like to falsify them is by (laughs) just asking First off, where did you learn this from? Why do you think this is how the world works? And just sometimes that question removes a lot of the actual weight that beliefs hold. Because you're like, oh, I just had a kid when I was in third grade. He told me that people who make a lot of money are greedy and bad people. So right now, I'm looking at the world through the eyes of a third grader. And we ask, like, what's the context? Where did you learn this from? Who did you learn this from? And is it actually true? And sometimes people still get stuck. So we ask, would this actually be true for somebody else as well? Not just for you, but is this just a general truth? For example, gravity is true for everybody. But if something is just true for you, then it might not actually be the truth. It's just a belief you hope. That's causing all this fear and this anxiety. So I want to ask Andrew, like, where do you see this with your clients? You said you just, you, you talked to them about this. I'm curious to hear how you've seen this interact with people, knowing what they should be doing, but they're not actually
1: doing it. So again, I just wrote a note down of falsifying beliefs because I that I think that's a, a a key point that needs to be brought out. What I find with my clients is that if we ask them to execute on something, they may look at it as if it's something in addition to what they have to do. It's a tool, or it's a checklist, or it's some type of external thing, and then the internal monologue is along the lines of, why do I have to do this? I already do this every day. I know this. But then when you speak to them and talk to them about what would, what would you be proud of if you did this, right? What would your future self be proud of? Like you've said, in some of the podcasts, be proud of if you executed on this and then exploring why there's a, why there's a resistance to executing on this tool that's there to help them, uh, analyze work or, you know, make sure if certain things get done that they aren't getting done. And, and I think that the model helps to be able to try to explore that because again, at the end of the day, we're looking to achieve sustainability.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's very well said. And I think for me, my perspective on sustainability is that it comes from having to actually exert less effort on a consistent basis. That's the whole seesaw you said about motivation and desire and friction It's just if you have, if you need to actually exert less effort because you're not facing as much internal resistance because you don't have these blind spots that are wrecking havoc on your subconscious, then it becomes more sustainable. And I think that's why that's such a key component in the program. And once we falsify these things and recognize, oh, a lot of your beliefs, these things that were causing all this resistance, this fear, anxiety, this sense of overwhelm, whatever it may be, this pressure. Once you recognize they're not true and you can actually have the toolkit on how to catch them. When they pop up, that's when you can really start flying. Now, again, it's like, it's not that you completely negate them. And I think it's really important to say because you don't negate them. But, again, you get yourself the opportunity of choice. And you get the opportunity to catch things when they're just a tiny little flare up. And you're just feeling a little pinch of emotion. Like, ah, I recognize what's going on here. It's because of this belief. And you can logically walk yourself through the process so you can make the right choice. But again, like you have to have the power to make it. You have to decide you want to make it. And that's really the whole toolkit of the program is to give people that power.
1: And I think particularly like you described with the arena, I'm sure a lot of that kind of exploring takes place that a one-on-one coach can help you to uncover as opposed to trying to figure it out on your own and fumbling constantly uh, and not really getting to the heart of what could be that uh, belief that you need to falsify.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's for the best example I've heard about this when I had a coach in Jitsu. it was a black belt and I asked him about him, how he gets coached and all that. He's like, man, I, I can't right now. I don't have the time that it up. But if I was competing, for example, and I'm in it, I would love to have an actual purple belt version of myself coaching me. Because even a lesser version of myself is able to help me because he's not in it. And that was a very interesting insight. And I agree with you. Um, so I want to ask, do you have any questions
1: about how to falsify these things?
0: Anything that I can actually help you give you a toolkit to arm for your clients?
1: That, that's a great question. And so when you falsify beliefs, what are some of the, do you take people through uh, a battery of questions that helps them to write it down? because i have I went through the the mini course you had, which I thought was awesome, and I love some of the questions that were in the mini course and I think that that gets you started, but does it get you to the heart uh, or the meat of what happens with that?
0: That's great so let's talk about getting to the heart of it. So how are we talking about the theory of constraint? I'm a fan of it as well, and so the what the reason? we do things in a sequential order by first getting clear on what you want. And then what are the things you need to do is because then after we flushed out all your beliefs, like you said, there's in the micro courses, all those structures we can then ask, what are probably the three biggest inhibitors of you taking these actions? For example, if you didn't have this belief, I go back to that example, just because we've used it of making a lot of money means you're greedy. Would you be able to actually launch this product and market it much more? You'd be more free to do that. Would, A clone of you who doesn't have these three beliefs, would they be a lot more successful? And once you nail in what are people's three main things, that's usually the 80-20 of it. And that's getting to the heart of it. Because it's not about flushing out everything and falsifying everything. Like people don't have time for that. And it's not a necessity for it either. But if you can figure out what are the three main beliefs that are actually holding you back, then let's try to falsify those. Because if we falsify those and recognize those aren't true, then we're pretty much fighting a downhill battle from there. and. Again, it's, it's pretty simple. Once you get to them and you can actually logically flush them out and see them in front of you on a piece of paper on a computer screen, it's amazing the power they lose. It's kind of like in the horror movies, you know, when they only show the monster halfway through the movie. and But that anticipation of not seeing it, that's what really causes havoc. It's the same thing. Once they're not an invisible wall anymore, but you're clear on what these beliefs actually are, that if I make more money, then I'm greedy. Or if I speak out in public and voice my opinion, then people will think negatively of me. You flush these things out, they lose half the power, become visible. Then the important thing is, why do I think this is true? Where did I learn this? Who taught me this? What situation showed me this? When would I learn this? For example, the whole speaking out. A lot of people are afraid to do public speaking. Why? Because then I recognize when I was in first grade during show and tell, I showed something and all the other kids laughed at me. And since then, I've had this fear of public speaking because I equate that if I speak in public, bad things will happen to me
1: <laughs>
0: and then you can recognize wait is this still something that I should follow this happened in the first grade is this still true for me today for who I am with my current skill sets my current abilities my current position in life and the kinds of people who I'm speaking with and if people are still stuck there because they can't say to them no I still feel insecure we just ask is this true for everyone should everyone be afraid of public speaking or not, because if you can recognize that, okay, this isn't true, that I should always just be afraid of public speaking because it's going to harm me. Then again, you give yourself that power of choice where you can employ courage and say, I know this isn't true. So, all right, it still feels uncomfortable, but I know the correct thing for me, the one that the more helpful thing, the more effective thing for me to do is actually to speak and give myself an opportunity to be heard. So therefore I need to do it.
1: So, Idemar, if I understood you correctly, in order to falsify beliefs, we kind of want to look at the biggest three examples of what they believe are their biggest fears. And then the second thing is, why do I still… So, oh,
0: sorry, I'm going to gonna butt in because this is really important. So, no, go ahead. it's not about their three biggest fears in general. It's about what three main beliefs could be holding them back from three main those beliefs. specific actions that we figured out. They didn't, no, but, but beyond that, not just their three main beliefs in general but the main beliefs that are stopping them from taking the specific actions that we figure out they need to take now mm-hmm. in the rules. Yeah, so the beliefs are tied to the actions. Yeah,
1: because
0: yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is all about actions. Like what I care about yeah. is, and again, this is very different than therapy of just healing general things. It's about how can we get you to take more action? So we figure out these are the specific actions you need to take. So what's blocking
1: you from doing those things? Those yeah, are tangible actions, mm-hmm. yeah. Tangible actions. So then exactly. it's an, and then why do I, why do I still hold on to these beliefs, or are they true? I'm sorry, are they true? And then is this still true for everyone? And then from there it gives you a point yeah. of clarity, and then that's where you're prepared to address it.
0: Yep, it's where you're pre- you're beyond prepared to address it. You have the ability to recognize this isn't true, and you have the ability yep. to decide: Do I want to keep? Going in line with this belief? Or do I want to do what would actually serve me? And I think a big part of it is recognizing that it's still going to feel uncomfortable. That's really important. I think when people tell themselves, oh, okay, this is behind me. I've negated it. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not going to affect me. That's when they get blindsided. Because it still is going to affect you. It's what you naturally do. It's how you naturally think. But again, you're trying to grow. You're trying to change and evolve. So it's really important to accept that, okay, when I'm about to do this big thing, for example, I'm about to go do a public speaking gig. I recognize that I'm still going to feel uncomfortable. But when I start feeling a certain way, I start recognizing that I'm getting nervous or anxious, and I start going into my head about it, and to myself, wait, wait, wait. I'm getting nervous because I have this belief, because of what happened in the first grade. And I know it's not relevant for today. So while I recognize that I'm still going to feel nervous, there's nothing really for me to feel nervous about. So I don't need to backtrack, but I need to go ahead and do what I need to do.
1: No, I I get, I see what you're saying and, and uh, you've given me enough fodder to go modify the model a little bit more to add some of these elements to it so that it's a paint by numbers, so to speak. But I'm, I'm sure, you know, that's, that's where the, probably the crux of, of getting through it is, is in that, is in that. Uh, Looking at those three beliefs that are holding you back from taking the action you need to so that, uh, you know, do you still believe that they're true? And I now have power to to address it and take some corrective action or progressive action or or not. And and, but hopefully, you know, you've given people such a freedom to be able to make that next choice. You know, it's sort of prescriptive that you can take that next choice. And it's not it's not going to be. Uh, as scary as you think, like you said, with the monster at the end of the movie, right?
0: Yeah, so I'll say that's a big thing I tell people. We talk about do things that your future self will be proud of. We give everybody the, the ability to act with courage and do the right thing. They're not always going to feel confident because they're still going to have that background of that belief. You've, you've held it for 40 years, 30 years, whatever it may be. It's going to be there. It's going to feel uncomfortable but you have the opportunity to act with courage and do things that you really be proud of. Say, you know what? I know this is, this is a false belief. That's trying to pull me in the wrong direction. I know it doesn't feel comfortable, but I know what the actual effective action is. So I'm going to choose, I'm going to decide to employ courage and I'm going to do that. And I think through that process, people can feel a
1: great sense of pride and personal accomplishment. And and that's ultimately what I think is, is uh, the goal is that sense of accomplishment. And For us and people like myself who are consultants, who have to help change behavior, who have to drive process improvement to achieve an objective, a savings or a throughput increase, whatever it is, uh, getting people to own and have that power of choice to be able to sustain it and, and live by that value and be happy that they achieved it and be proud of their future self for doing it.
0: Yeah. Cool. I want to I wanna give you one more tool here, if I may. Exactly okay, for people to, to have that power of choice. So, and this is how I would word it. The moment you're getting emotional is when you actually have the power of choice. Now, what you want to do is be able to recognize when are you getting emotional, when are you starting to get hijacked by your amygdala, your lower level self, whatever you want to call it. And the process that I usually use with people is the ABC triangle. So the ABC triangle is something that I actually uh, learned about originally from the head of psychology of the Mossad. He explained it to me and it made a lot of sense to me. It's something I teach with all my people. So A is affect. How do I feel? B is body behavior. What happens to me physically? And C is cognitive. What are my thoughts? So, for example, if I know that whenever these three beliefs, these main beliefs, that we said these are the biggest constraints to me taking the correct actions pop up, I feel nervous. I feel scared. For example, for me personally, I feel agitated and I feel very aggressive. That's my default mechanism. It's a protective mechanism. For some people, it's nervous. For some people, it's scared. For some people, it's shy all of a sudden. For some people, it's timid. So, if you can know what are the ways that I feel when these three beliefs start affecting me, it's really powerful because then you can say, oh, wait, if I notice that I'm feeling this way, I need to stop because this belief is starting to hijack my thinking. That's the affect. Is that clear?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: So let me ask, what do you think would be for you, Andre?
1: So for me, I think it's when you start to feel overwhelmed. I feel, when I start to feel overwhelmed, like my plate's getting full, we're trying to get the client to achieve an objective, that I want them to take an action, that they're resisting for some reason. And then I feel myself getting, you know, that anxiety of... I got to get this done because if I don't, uh, it, it's, you know, or I back off from coaching what say them. about me? Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Beautiful. Great. So it's anxiety and overwhelm for you. Awesome. So let's move to B. B is body behavior. So what happens to me physically? For some people, they slam doors. They type really hard at the keyboard. Um, for some people, it's also cravings. Let's say for food. For some people it's drugs, for some people it's sex or pornography, whatever it may be. Like for me, my main way physical is that I recognize I get very antsy, like I need to go work out or I clench my jaw or my nostrils flare. When that happens again, that means I'm getting really agitated. And that's how physically, like if my wife is in the room, she'd be like, oh, Itamar is agitated right now. I can see it very clearly on him. And that's also a way for me to pick up sometimes because I'm not aware of how I'm feeling. But if I notice all of a sudden that I'm clenching my jaw. I can take a step back and be like, whoa, something, something's bug bugging me here. And I'm probably ascribing way more meaning to it than it should be, because one of my beliefs are flaring up, and I'm not being logical about the situation. So I need to calm down, and take a breath. That's so what do you think excellent. that would be for you? The body. Yeah, behavior? for me,
1: I would say I I know for me, I start to feel a certain amount of stress, and I want to become very curt and and uh you know, I want to cut people, you know, it's like I don't want to hear I, I want people to stop talking to me you know I want I want to shut down hmm. any kind of any kind of resistance uh that I'm experiencing
0: okay so that's going to be cognitive but what do you think physically so let me ask this your wife how would if I asked her how would I be able to see visually what would I see in Andre when he gets stressed or anxious or overwhelmed she'd probably how say I see that, that in him I, what would she say? She would probably
1: say that my facial features would definitely, definitely demonstrate that uh, I'm getting very, you know, I'm I'm getting pushed to the point where I, I'm, I'm shutting down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. So that's something for you to know. Say, okay, when I notice that I'm making a face, mm-hmm. that's when I got to take a step back. So now, the C, the last part, that's the cognitive. That's what goes on in my head. So, for example, you probably hear a voice in your head saying, man, I wish it would just be quiet and just get the work done. Or something along those lines. Are there specific phrases that you notice yourself saying?
1: Ooh, that's Never a good thinking. question. Um, I, I think a lot of times, yeah. My my, I could start to tell, start to say things like, "Okay, I don't want to hear anymore. This is what needs to happen, and it needs to happen now." Yeah. For me personally, that's that's usually yeah, something. So- That's usually so what I would
0: say. There's some times where that actually does need to be the truth. Like sometimes, <laughs> all right, guys, enough. We need to get the work done. But do you notice yourself saying things in your head? Like why is this person not getting it? Are they just – Yeah, the I yes, would definitely that? say that. Are i there mental things?
1: Because sometimes yeah, – So do you have any – Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, sometimes I, I can default to that. Um, but other times when I'm really cognizant, I may say, okay – what do I need to do differently here to get it? Because this approach isn't working. I need to possibly change the approach that I'm taking. Or, you know, you've, you've got on my last nerve and, uh, you know, we, we need to, we need to, I need you just to just make yep. this happen, you know? <laughs> you know. And sometimes yep. that, that That's great. gets the job done, but did I do the right thing in helping them feel like it was something they wanted to connect to as opposed to just, all right, he's angry yeah. with me. Now let me get it done.
0: Yeah, so what are the thoughts that go on in your head when you're angry? And again, this is not something that, like, for me, for example, the things I have, like, why is this person just fucking get it? Why do they want to just do the work? Or mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with this nonsense. It's not things that I would say I'm proud of that I think, but it's what my more primal, like, brain, that's what it comes up with. So that's when I say, oh, I'm thinking in a way that I'm not proud of. This isn't intelligent Edomar stepping up. This is primal Edomar stepping up, so I need to catch this. And if I can have these kind of thoughts and I can recognize, oh, Itamar is starting to swear or whatever it may be in his head, not at people. Okay. He's being hijacked by lower level Itamar. So do you notice any things that you could say, these are the thoughts that I go on in my head when I'm not at my best?
1: Oh, for sure. Because I start to get critical. I, I, I'm incredibly critical at uh, in situations like that where in my head, my self-talk or my inner monologue starts to starts to think about, okay, you know, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, why aren't you, why, you yeah, know, that's great. Yeah. You
0: know,
1: why aren't so that's you doing great, what I'm asking you? That specific you? Yeah. phrase even,
0: if you can catch yourself, yeah, if you can catch yourself saying to someone, what's wrong with you? That's obviously like from a high level, that's not a very productive way to think and communicate with people. For sure. So that's why we want to stop ourselves because that's probably something you can recognize. Oh, when I hear this in my head, when I think what's wrong with someone, I actually need to take a step back because right now I'm about to do something unproductive because I'm going to vent my emotions on this situation instead of employing my logic to actually better the situation. And that's a really powerful tool because now you have the ability to recognize, okay, when I feel anxious and overwhelmed or when I make a face or when I say to myself, I hear this voice in my head saying, what's wrong with you? Now I have the power. Now I have the power to recognize, oh, wait, I'm starting to get emotional here. What belief is causing this? Is one of my beliefs being touched here, being poked? One of my insecurities, perhaps? And is this belief true or is this insecurity valid? If not, okay, I got to take a step back for a second, catch a breath, and then do the right thing, even though it feels uncomfortable. And that tool of recognizing when you get emotional, that gives you the opportunity to be in a position of power.
1: Awesome. That's that's powerful because, I, again, it's recognizing it in the moment when it's occurring and being aware of that and then using the power of the process to to double down on the right thing and 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 understand what emotion is potentially driving that and then realize, ooh, we want to stop that.
0: Yeah. And the beauty of it is if you do the legwork of, again, clarifying what you want, what you don't want to regret, what are the correct values and actions that you need to distill from that, and then what are the main beliefs that would cause you to not do that, and if they're true or not, all of a sudden you can compress time because you've done the legwork. So when you catch yourself in a moment starting to get a little bit emotional, in a matter of a couple seconds, and again, the more you do it, the better you get at it, you can all of a sudden get yourself to a place where you recognize, oh, is being emotional here. He's, not, he's about to do something that's not actually going to serve the goal. It's not the action that he should be taking. So why is he about to do this? Oh, because it's poking at an insecurity of his. And he has a belief that if this happens, he won't get what he actually wants. Or something bad is going to happen to him. But it's actually, it's not true. And I know this isn't true. So I need to take a step back, take a breath, calm, be calm, and actually do the correct thing. Even if it feels uncomfortable. And when you do all that legwork, you can really compress time. And if you have that also ability to catch yourself in your, when you need to actually do that mental model, when you need to enact it, when you start getting emotional, it's a very powerful thing.
1: Oh, I, I agree. Well, from everything you just said and we discussed, uh, being able to catch yourself in that moment and then be able to arrest it, so to speak, with the mental model because you, have like you said, did the legwork. Now it becomes easier to say, okay, I can now make compress time make the switch and not have to spend the next couple of hours trying to calm down from that emotional, uh, you know, moment. Or beyond
0: that, spend the next couple of months or perhaps even the worst case scenario, years undoing the mistake that I made because I was emotional, because I said the thing I shouldn't have said, because I did the thing I shouldn't have done beyond just me myself calming down. That's like a good case scenario, I guess if you're just a bit heated and you need to calm down for a couple hours, but You can avoid making very poor decisions that you'll regret because, again, if you can not act in an irrational emotional way but employ your logic and do the correct things that will align towards your goals, that's how you win. But if you're getting hijacked by your emotions, it's a tough out. And that's really what I want to empower people, to not get hijacked by their emotions.
1: I'm writing notes as we're talking. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I no, don't want to, these are all, to go too long, but I want to ask, do you have, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, these are good things because you want to be able, for someone like myself, I want to be able to also help clients be able to work through these kinds of things in their own situations uh, quickly so that the thing that we need to achieve as a team gets accomplished as opposed to, yeah, we forced it, but now we walk away and come back in two months and they're back to square one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So let me ask this: Do you have any
0: last questions? Something you say? This is something I'm curious about. How would I do this? You've had a case that you said this is a client of mine. He's been stuck here. I haven't been able to do this. Anything that I could help out with while we're here?
1: Well, that's a great question. So I think I think for me the the big thing would be when you have a client that um, is just giving you pushback, just because. They don't want to do something and you're trying not to demonstrate frustration or anxiety or anger, you know, great ways to uh, redirect those questions, redirect the discussions so that it gets them to explore what they need to do rather than trying to convince them.
0: Okay. Do I have your permission to be honest with you? Yes. There's probably something there that's your own stuff that you're projecting onto the situation beyond the client itself, because mm-hmm. if they don't want to do it, that shouldn't make you feel a certain way. Should I logically be like, okay, if this person doesn't want to win, I'm going to try to help them. But at the end of the day, that's on them. But if there's a, me as the consultant, I feel uh, if he doesn't get the result, what does it say about me? Am I not good enough? Is someone going to be upset at me? Whatever it be, then I project my emotions onto it. And then it's when we can get buds' heads. That's when it's egos start colliding. So first off, it's recognizing that I shouldn't be projecting my own stuff onto this situation. I'm okay. I have a track record. I know you have a very long track record. You've worked internationally. And that's the thing to recognize first. Not everybody wants to do the work. And that's accepting it. And I'm assuming that also a lot of the guys you work with, they might not be paying for their consults. It's their company. Is that Mm -hmm. correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Yeah. So... And that's a challenging thing from my experience. Like I've worked with some of the, some big CEOs as well that the founders pay not the CEO. And it's always more challenging because there's not as much buy-in. So that's the first thing to recognize that you don't need to take that as a personal thing that they're against you. Because once we do that, then we start butting heads. As, like our egos just start butting heads. Now, with that said, if they don't want to take action, what I've found is a question that really pokes people. Be like, do you want the result? Let's be honest here. And if they say yes, then we have to confront them with the truth in a very, uh, I'm extremely blunt and straightforward with what I say. And I'm extremely compassionate and caring with how I say it and the Mm -hmm. tonality of it. So I would say, listen, man, do you want to achieve this result? Yes or no. Truthfully, Let, let me calm down the whole voice. Do you want this result? And they'll say yes. Be like, okay, so are we on our way to get there? Honestly, is that how, what do you think? They'll be like, eh, uh, Ish, can I be honest with you? And at first, like, I ask you this, but I disarm people with a question. Because as soon as I ask someone, can I be honest with you? Or do I have your permission to be honest with you? All of a sudden, you recognize, oh, this is an ally. He's asking. Me. He's not just talking at me. And once we've become allies, we say, like, so here's the deal. What we're doing right now, it's not going to get us there. And notice the words I'm using, it's us. We're a team here. We're trying to do this together. Like, I absolutely know that we can get to the goal if we do these things. But what I'm noticing in you is that there's a part of you, not you. There's a part of you that's showing some resistance here. So let's figure out what that part is so that we can get you to the finish line. You can win and you can have all the rewards that you want, that you can earn. And usually that creates a big shift in people. Because they recognize I'm an ally, an ally, sorry. And I'm not putting the place, I'm not placing the blame on them. I think there's a part of you that's struggling with this. I can tell you want to win, but there's something in you that's holding you back. So let's figure out what that is together. all of a sudden they don't feel attacked. They don't feel attacked, they can open up. But with that said, some people just don't want to win. That's the reality of it. And I think it's also something important to accept. Not everybody that you don't see results with, it's not always your fault. There's fit issues. Some people just don't want to win; they rather play politics or whatever, and be. And that's just the reality of it.
1: And that's true. And I, I think you you speak right to the point of a lot of what we experience sometimes it, it, when when the sponsor's not the you know when the company owner or is paying you know is the sponsor of the project but the people that are going to be impacted by our work uh, don't necessarily have invited us it's again trying to overcome those challenges so i think you articulated that yeah I, I you know wrote some notes on what you just said and and definitely i think uh good stuff good stuff particularly asking for the permission because i think that like you said Takes it off the takes it off of the ego and puts it in the clearly in this in the situation of, do I have your permission to be honest? And I, I like I like that approach.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: it's a very subtle thing,
0: but it almost makes them feel like they're on a higher ground than me, because if I have to ask their permission, then they're higher than me. That I'm treating them with respect. And all of a sudden, they don't feel like I'm the consultant that's coming above them. So therefore, they have to puff their chest and defend their ego. Because if he's asking me for permission, then there's not this power struggle anymore. So I can be more open. It's like whenever I want to drop a very, um, it's called a bomb on someone where I have to say something (laughs) that's very direct, it could be very painful. That's always a preemptive question I ask. Because they recognize that I'm about to say, and like all my clients know this, that when I say that to them, they're like, okay, what's (laughs) coming? But they recognize that I'm asking their permission because I want to help them. So whatever I say afterwards, it comes with a completely different sense attached to it.
1: And again, what we're looking to do is be that trusted advisor, be that person that they look and see value from so that they want to listen to what we have to say. So yes, absolutely. I I think that's definitely great.
0: Cool. Any other last questions? Do you have any, one more we have time for?
1: Ooh, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure to, to, to speak with you. And, uh, because I really have enjoyed the, the podcasts and all the, all the material you, you produce and, and the content that you generate. And so getting to understand some of the finer points of this process is, has been very, very good to me for, so I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, uh, I, I guess the question is, do you find that in the in the guys that you actually work with, do you find that uh, the majority are uh, taking the actions that you help them, you know, that you explore with them and are they finding themselves choosing success at the end of the day?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. Choosing success. I like that. So, <laughs> truthfully, yes. So, the guys that I work with, I say this. First off, we're very... I'm very selective of who I work with. It's also a part of it. I don't take on people that I don't think are actually going to be about it. Like a big thing that I say internally to the team is like, we help winners win. We help people who really want to win, but they're struggling. They're like, man, I really want to do it. But I feel like I'm holding myself back. I'm stuck on something. I really want to win though. We help those people get over the hump and remove this stuff. So we put ourselves in a position to work with people who are going to win. And I think that's been the biggest part. It's not about trying to help people who are just lazy or unmotivated or resistance. Like I'm not trying to convert anyone from being completely unmotivated, a couch potato to all of a sudden wanting to conquer the world. I'd be perfectly try to choose people who want to do big things and are also have a certain level of ownership and humility to say, you know what? I want to do the work. I just want to find someone I can respect to actually guide me through this process. And because we find those right people and we put them in the right groups, and we're very selective about it because we don't want the wrong person to infiltrate those groups and ruin the entire atmosphere, people do see success
1: that's awesome i that I appreciate that thank you so much i mean that 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 makes yeah. so much sense because you definitely want to work with people who like you said we we help winners win i, I wrote that down and put it in a box uh because I think that that sound bite is is so poignant to what uh, helps people understand that if you're going to be allowed into this group, you need to be a person or we perceive you as a person who really wants to, to take it to the next level and win big. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Oh, yeah, I want to say thank you for doing this. man. Thank you first off for sending that email with it, with the flow chart. It was very interesting to see. And also, I really appreciate it. You know, I put out this content. Sometimes you never know how people react to it. So seeing somebody go through that effort to put it all together and say this is very helpful, it was very nice to see. And it also honestly taught me a lesson. Like I do not do that kind of thing enough for people that I also want to connect with, and I should, because it's a very powerful way to connect with people and reach out and say, I really respect what you've done. This is what I think about it. And it's a lesson that I need to do more of it myself as well. So thank you for teaching me that lesson and showing it to me.
1: Well, I, I think, like I said in the email, it's like the Rosetta Stone of really trying to put it all together because I think it's it's a, a cool roadmap on how people can really take, you know, see what you're doing and be able to visually get it right. And so executing on what we've just talked about and the whole process is just incredible. I, I think it's awesome because there are so many people out there that that need that kind of help. And they're struggling to succeed and they fail and they can't understand why. And so I love the way every step of your process anchors you back to certain elements that if you do them, they follow from each other. And then the check sheet at the end, you know, gives you a way weekly to see, am I doing, is it helping me? You know, so that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much, Andre. Appreciate your time. And we'll see everyone on the next episode. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Fortitude podcast. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed it and found value in it. Three last things before you go, though. If you feel like someone else with your exact skill set and abilities could be accomplishing more than you currently are, that's a mindset and emotional access issue. And here are three ways I'd love to help you conquer any internal limitations. Go big and win. One, three quick ideas Tuesday newsletter. It's a weekly email with three quick ideas around one aspect of elite performance and how to approach it differently to get better and faster results. People say it's the most thought-provoking and impactful two minutes they spend in their inbox each week. It's easy to sign up to and easy to cancel, and you can sign up at edamomryan.com slash three ideas. Two is the Emotional Fortitude Micro Course. It will help you build the emotional fortitude and conflict tackle any goal. It's the complete, nothing held back, emotional fortitude system in five simple parts, it's all under five minutes each module. See it, use it, and win. And it's completely free at edomomorani.com slash course. And number three, lastly, if you want to dive in and aggressively level up, the Arena Mindset Accelerator might be for you. It's a six-week intense sprint for entrepreneurs who are up for a dramatic transformation. It's an interactive live program where you'll be working with me in a very hands-on way to get clarity on what you want, build an effective mindset to optimize for your goals, and establish elite emotional fortitude that would allow you to overcome any fear or doubt that could get in your way. You can learn more at itamarmorani.com slash accelerator. You can find all of these links in the show notes below or go to itamarmorani.com and have a look around. Until next time, who dares wins.